2024 and welcome to the workplace the program about how to get into get along and get ahead at work produced and presented by me nnd autumn winter 2023 here on the program was ai season in which we covered an overview of the science gallery london exhibition ai who's looking after me with curator jennifer wong we also had a two-part discussion with artist wesley goatley on ai work and the environment in which we discussed his installation newly forgotten technologies and irini papadimitriou creative director at arts organization future everything who collaborated with the science gallery on the exhibition talked about AI in the Arts. Triple Dot Makers and Echo Charity, along with King's College PhD researcher Terinda Wood, joined me to discuss AI in the medical field. And then we looked at safe and trusted AI with PhD researcher Mokhtulga Batoktok, who spoke about his installation, What is Essence? All of the previously mentioned episodes related directly to the Science Gallery London's exhibition AI Who's Looking After Me, which is on until the 20th of January 2024. For more information, please visit london.sciencegallery.com. In the two final episodes in this series dedicated to artificial intelligence, we are varying away from installations in the Science Gallery London exhibition. And in this, the penultimate episode, we're discussing AI and the future of work with Dr. Tracy Wylan, who is a former visiting Stanford scholar, researcher, and author on the impact of technology on society, work, and careers. Please visit tracywylan.com. And to keep up with this and all the other work and workplace-related conversations that take place here on The Workplace, please connect with me using hashtag WorkplaceNND. AI season here on The Workplace has been realized with the generous support of ARC Club, the fabulous co-working space that is more than just a workspace. Please visit arc-club.com and ARC is spelled A-R-C. Tracy, welcome back to The Workplace after quite some time. Give us a brief reminder of who you are. Sure, and thank you so much for having me and a happy new year to you. My name is Tracy Weiland. I'm a researcher, a Silicon Valley executive and speaker on technology and impact on the workforce. And more recently, answering and addressing questions about artificial intelligence. Tell us what you intend to share with us today. Well, I think it's important that we discuss what is artificial intelligence and then what are the implications it has on work and what are some of the future things that we can think about with this newer technology. Give us your definition of AI and tell us how does it work? Sure, so to simplify it, it's really mathematics and software teaching computers how to understand, generate knowledge like people do. And this is done through something called a logarithms, which are basically instruction sets. So if you think about, you might be using Siri or Alexa, those computers right, are basically taught answers that have been really aggregated from tons of data out on the internet so that they can answer you faster and very human-like. Artificial intelligence has been around since the 1940s, and it's been evolving ever since. The reason why it's popular now is something called ChatGBT hit the scene about a year ago, and that's OpenAI, which is now funded by Microsoft and some other private equity and venture funds. 
But what ChatGBT did is it made artificial intelligence understandable to humanity. So you can go in and type things and it can generate for you like a social media post or an article or answer complex questions because it reaches out to all of those data sources and aggregates the information very quick. And that's something that a human can understand and it took off like wildfire. When you say it made the information sort of accessible to humanity, right? So I mean like the lay person. So presumably who was it accessible to before, prior to this change, prior to ChatGPT? So artificial intelligence has been in use for many years. If you go back to oh, uh, Watson, you might remember that IBM had Watson. And Watson was, the, again, a supercomputer aggregating data on healthcare with a projection that Watson could actually solve cancer faster than doctors could because, because of the computing speed. If you think about, oh, there are headlines uh, a couple of years ago with Google and Go right they were able to teach a computer how to play chess but because it was faster it could actually learn more moves than a human and play better and right and you might remember that it won so a lot of this is already integrated into a lot of the software programs a lot of the medical systems in the background but as a layperson, we don't see that until something easy comes out and that's where i think check gbt and dolly uh, some of these newer applications made it really easy for us to use it. And really, you could say it's like an assistant now. You know, how can I use this tool to help me in my life or in my work? Why is AI relevant to the future of work? So it's already in use because there's so much data out there and a lot of work relies on aggregating data and sorting through it quickly. And artificial intelligence, because you can program the systems in speed, can do this very fast, which can help humanity, right? So if you think about the medical industry, radiologists have to look at many, many x-rays and MRIs. Well, now they can teach and they have taught artificial intelligence to basically scan it faster than humans, give it the information that it needs to know about what works in an MRI, you know, what dot means something bad, what, you know, something wrong, and they can actually detect things faster than a human. And that can lead to much better outcomes for patients. Another example in healthcare is the cancer example that AI actually came up with a cancer drug. Because again, by aggregating all of the available information that's on cancer and solutions, AI can just process it so much faster than humans can and hopefully come up with better drugs or systems and solutions than we can. Yes, the list of um, examples about AI assisting in healthcare is endless and we already had a whole episode here on the Science Gallery exhibition dealing with how it's helping the people in the medical profession and young patients with heart conditions. Excellent. So personalization and customization, if you think about it, AI can personalize the work experience. Um, some examples are uh, HR. A lot of companies have large HR databases and you as a new employee have to go through work portals to try to figure out 
um, you know, the directory or the benefits or the job chain or, you know, the skills required or what you need to do. With artificial intelligence, you can actually aggregate all of these databases and make it use very user friendly. Another example would be Amazon. I think a lot of people have observed that when you go into Amazon, you are now discussing with artificial intelligence bot and it's quite friendly, it's quite fast, and it's very nicely solving your problem even better than a human. And so there's a lot of applications that companies can use to really personalize and customize AI to the individual. Right. So like all advocates of AI, you're selling it very well. But what are the concerns or downsides regarding AI in the workplace? Well, I think that the big one right now that people are talking about, right, or worried about is will my job go away? And I think once you start using the tools and I encourage companies to integrate and train people on these tools, you will immediately see that there are inherent benefits from using it. You know, I use the analogy of view AI as an assistant, not as a replacement. Um, the second are the ethical considerations. And that one is big on a global front because there's concerns that certain countries, dictatorships, communist areas might use and develop AI in a negative way that could have ethical implications. And that one I think is more of a global concern or if you're using it in a, in a malicious way. And so the third area is, you know, how do you regulate it or can it even be regulated? Or what are certain packs that we need to make, you know, humanly together that we're not going to use this in a negative way? And then I think the third area is the human machine relationship. And that's the assistant um, you know, I do research and write articles or blogs on occasion. And sometimes I have white page syndrome, you know, and I can type into AI and say, you know, give me a couple of catchy titles on blog posts that might help people understand AI better. And ChatGPT might generate for me, you know, five titles and I might take them or leave them. So there is a way that you can use the technology to help what you're doing already very well, even better. Let's talk about creativity then. This is a big bugbear for me. Um, <laughs> the idea that AI can be creative. So I'll give you an example. Um, so just recently, Chat GBT4 combined with Dolly 3, and Dolly 3 is um, the image side of AI. So you can put a prompt into the computer and it can generate an image. And um, so they showed how a mom's kid really liked hedgehogs and she wanted to make a very custom story for her child in a positive way on hedgehogs and the child imagined what the hedgehog would look like in her dream and so using prompts the mom put in the story and said here's the storyline it's positive and here's what the hedgehog in my daughter's dream looks like and within minutes the two applications generated a story generated stickers generated illustrations and customized the experience for the child. And you would say, well, that's, that's a pretty interesting way to use AI because you're integrating the child's input and creatively using it. For others, I would think other things to think about, um, you're an artist, right? You're gonna paint or do whatever you are. How can AI help you? 
well, maybe you want to ask AI, are there different color painting uh, combinations that I should use or might work better or materials? Or if you're a hair colorist, can I put in the feature set of my client, skin tone, eye color, and generate maybe a different kind of hair color that looks better on him or her? So there's a lot of ways that we can think about how to use the tool creatively. Well, I think in the example you gave with the child and the story and the illustrations, I think what a lot of artists would have um, concerns with would be you are using the word that AI created a story and an image or whatever, but really what it's done is the word you mentioned at the beginning of our discussion is aggregated something from content that was already out there in cyberspace and all of that work was created by human artists and then it just amalgamated something so there are those ethical concerns and legal concerns as well i understand um and i think the creativity in this was the customization that the mother was able to do to fulfill a vision and a dream that her daughter had that a general book created by one person or you know a group of people couldn't do before. And that to me is the creativity of it. Did it aggregate the data? Sure, but it did it bring in that customization is quite interesting to me. All right. Okay. So how should we prepare for the AI powered workplace? So I think um, individuals need to think about their own jobs and what are the pieces of the job that can be replicated anything that's rote or routine. And so, you know, what's unique to you? What are your transferable skills? And then how do you use AI to offload the things that you don't like to do? So, you know, again, for me, if I have to do a lot of writing, it's sometimes just easier to use AI to give me, take my outline, fill it in, and then I go back and edit it. It's much faster than me writing it and having the editor look at it. And that to me really offloads a lot of stuff for me. My colleagues in the medical industry just say they have to absorb huge amounts of data. So if they're using the right databases aggregated, they can pull up information much faster, which helps their, their patients. But I will give you an example because it was here this recently in these states that lawyers who have to aggregate so much data for their court cases used AI to aggregate it. And what happened was, is they aggregated past court cases, not realizing that they were fake, right? Because remember we said all the data is getting aggregated and two of the cases were just made up and that's called the hallucination. That when AI has so much information, sometimes it just messes it up and you have to be able to identify that and have that human capability to sort through it. And what happened is the judge said to them, how could you bring in a case with made up cases by artificial intelligence? And they said, we had no idea that technology could be wrong. And that's where I think a lot of people get messed up is you have to realize you are in control. This is your assistant. You still have to use all your skills and capabilities to edit and um, correct the uh, technology. And fact check, fact check. The, fact to me, check. humans are, are superior to machines. Yes. 
And I think that's important that we just remember how to use this technology like we have figured out previous technologies. Second, I think you need to embrace lifelong learning. I'm a big advocate for that. It's reading about it. There's so much published online. There's so much content available through you know, your shows. There's, there's so much out there, but it's really up to us to be able to go out and read up on it, look on videos and, and understand what's going on. And I think the third area is data. If you're in a data field, um, that, that's a big area. It's um, where AI and understanding how can I take this data and use some of these tools to be able to sort it better or um, maneuver with it better. So those are just some examples in the workplace. So what does uh, the future of work with AI look like? And, and may I even say, there are some bandying about <laughs> the prospect that work itself might become obsolete. Yeah, I, I would say that AI is already integrated more than people really understand. In a lot of your applications, if you use Microsoft or um, any of those PowerPoint or Word, you can already see that it's it's running in the background and actually facilitating things like grammar checks and um, or PowerPoints and and offering suggestions. So I think it's it's in there much more than people realize. Um, the implications are are that. People are seeing the value of it and using it, and that we would just need to continue to develop the skills to be able to figure out how to really manage the technology. Okay, should we specialize in a specific AI niche or just remain a, a generalist? Yeah, so this is a really good question because I had some colleagues of mine who specialized in machine learning and they had a very difficult time getting a job because it was so specialized. Eventually, they got phenomenal jobs aggregating and analyzing data on a federal level. Um, but they did say that maybe their path should have been different and they should have been maybe specializing in machine learning, but at the same time, keeping a, a, broad, a broad view and taking on internships in other areas so that they could have more opportunities. I think, you know, having that broad skill set is important, being able to adapt and understand where the job market's going, where the demand is so that you can figure out how do I plug in? And we've been through this before when mobility took off, when social media took off, when the internet took off, everybody was trying to figure out where's the job, you know, and at the end of the day, it always came down to, yes, you have to learn technology, but you need to have additional skills you know, the human skills don't go away. But I think the difference now with AI is you are right about all the incarnations over the centuries, yeah? But the difference with AI is that it's the first time, I think, that, or oh, I understand, that the machines themselves seem to have the ability to, as you said, do something creative or do something almost seemingly of its own accord. Do you understand? When the internet came, no one thought the internet had the capability to do something by itself. But somehow there is this concern that AI has the ability somehow to almost think independently. Yeah, there's, a, there's an area which I, um, you know, the black box theory is that the systems are so advanced that they keep thinking and processing faster and more creatively than humans can. Um, there are people looking you know, into that and there is a concern there. 
But yes, it, it is, it's such a unique technology compared to other technologies. But, you know, I would say cloud computing is pretty profound. Um, the internet is, you know, had a lot of pushback. Um, geez, television, you know, the loom, the radio, you know, so many technologies have had tremendous pushback over the years. And then we seem to adapt and absorb them. But this one is, is quite interesting. And that's why I think so many people are, are starting to use it and figure out better ways to create and, and adapt it in their lives. Lovely. And on that point about so many people are <laughs> using it and figuring out better ways to adapt and use it, the corollary to that is that there will be bad actors. So how can we ensure ethical development and use of AI in the workplace? How can we ensure it? You know, like, it's, it's nice to have it as a goal, but, you know, goals don't always get realized. And what's the pathway to ensure that goal? Yeah, and that's a tough one. And that's what I think you're seeing a lot of uh, global initiatives and meetings, even from the World Economic Forum over here in the States tech leaders meeting on it. Uh, it reminds me of when the internet came out because people really felt the internet was gonna be negative and do we control it, do we monitor it, or do you know, or do we have guidelines? Um, and that's you know the challenges for corporate leads, that's for um, the actual innovators themselves, for countries to be able to continue to collaborate and cooperate. Let's face it, you know, when nuclear bombs came out, right, the world was over. We're still not there, thank God, but it is a pretty powerful and they could be potentially used in a very negative way. And so it is, it is a challenge for the future. But what's the answer to ensuring the ethical development and use of it? Well, again, I, I would say history repeats itself. And so right now that is a work in progress. And that's at a corporate level, at a national level, at an international level and political level of how do we tackle this? And we've been down that path before. Um, and I think that people will come up with solutions to be able to address it. I, I can't be the person to tell you exactly what to do, but it's a, it does take a collaboration. Like a lot of past technologies have gone down a similar path. What you said there was about, you know, sort of at the governmental level, and you know, international level, international frameworks and so on. But what should companies do to create a healthy and productive AI powered work environment? Right. So um, many of the corporate leaders who I work with are really trying to understand the use cases in their specific industry and bring in, you know, technical expertise to help employees in uh, managers understand, you know, what skills or what, what are the new things that I need to learn or do some pilots on how do I figure out the use case for this technology. And that's making sure that you have support systems, you know, training systems and availability for, for your employee base. On an individual level, it's we have a responsibility in our own jobs to, you know, be the CEO of our job. And so if I look at a job I'm in today, I wanna be able to project out what are the things that I need to learn or keep up on so that this job keeps evolving because humanity keeps evolving. If we didn't evolve, we'd still be living in caves and in mud huts, but through human, you know, human you know, intuition, creativity, investigation, 
we keep moving ahead. And I think that's important on an individual level that we can do that. And that can be by looking online, um, looking, there's so many community opportunities, YouTube, TikTok, you know, whatever, whatever your source for information is, but um, I would highly recommend that you just keep up on it as a daily practice. Well, tell us anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up. So I would say that um, artificial intelligence is one of the most interesting technologies that has created such demand in my own personal practice that I have been meeting with companies and speaking on this topic and really trying to excite and energize people that yet this is another positive technology that we can use in our lives. And I think once people understand that and how to use it, they would be more uh, interested in really creating with it um, and finding different solutions with it. And so I do view it as a positive thing. I do not view it as a negative thing. And if I can help companies understand that and use that, I'd be happy to do that. Dr. Tracy Weiland, thanks so much for being with us here on The Workplace for the AI season to discuss artificial intelligence and revolutionizing the future of work. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Workplace, the program about how to get into, get along, and get ahead at work, produced and presented by me, NND. In this episode, I was speaking about AI and the future of work with Dr. Tracy Weilan, former visiting Stanford scholar, researcher, and author on the impact of technology on society, work, and careers. Please visit tracywylan.com. This episode sits alongside the series of episodes featuring interviews with contributors to the Science Gallery London exhibition AI Who's Looking After Me, which is on until the 20th of January 2024. Please visit london.sciencegallery.com and you can catch up on previous episodes in the season and keep up with all the other work and workplace-related conversations that take place here on the workplace by connecting with me using hashtag WorkplaceNND. My thanks as always to all those who have made this program possible. This program was first broadcast on community arts radio station Resonance 104.4 FM, which is a charity. Please support us at resonancefm.com forward slash donate and on Patreon. Special thanks to ARC Club for supporting AI season here on the workplace. To find out more about ARC Club, please visit arc-club.com. ARC Club, the fabulous co-working space that is more than just a workspace. And thank you so much for listening. As always, it's been a pleasure being in your company. Till next time, keep finding new and better ways to keep working. 